Hello, and welcome to the After Ellen podcast. I'm your host, Editor-in-Chief Jocelyn McDonald, and I'm here today with one of our writers, Maddie. Hello, Maddie. Hey. So today's topic is going to be about self-care, and Maddie, in addition to being a a writer of pop culture and political hot takes, (laughs) is also in social services. So she brings a particular perspective to this conversation that I'm really excited for our our listeners to hear. Um, Today's conversation about self-care is not going to be from the perspective of mental health professionals. It's going to be from our own personal perspective. So I want to start our conversation with that. Um, That caveat aside, um, Maddie, uh, what, what, what made you want to join and talk about this topic? So I think that uh, the pandemic has been really hard on a lot of people in terms of self-care because um, some of the same rituals that we may have used at different points aren't available to us anymore. Um, And I am always happy to talk about this topic with other lesbians because Mm. um, this topic really has roots in lesbian feminism. And um, yeah, so I, I wanted to be able to bring that history into the conversation. Yeah, the the year two of the pandemic is a very interesting space to be in. My birthday was a few weeks ago, and uh, it was March 29th. Um, and so my birthday was one of the first in the in the you know first wave of the of the lockdowns. And so um, I didn't have any birthday celebrations last year. And I remember early on in the pandemic thinking we're all in this together, two weeks of lockdown, two weeks of commitment to, you know, staying away from each other, wearing masks, washing our hands, washing our groceries, <laughs> not leaving the house. The Amazon packages. Yes. <laughs> right. Banging pots and pans and telling your sister and your mother that you'll see them later. Um, that was, it was really hard because of course I wanted to be with my family, but I had all of these brilliant plans for how I was going to spend my lockdown time. You know, I immediately had a ton of hobbies in mind. I wasn't one of the people who got really into sourdough. I actually started building instruments. I built a banjo and uh, out of a gourd. I built a banjo out of a gourd and I, uh, I had so much fun um, just hanging out with my cat and my roommates. But you know, as the pandemic has drawn out and as the quarantine measures have only intensified and not lifted at all, you know, year two, second birthday in quarantine, year two, I was facing a mental health crisis because I, I have had, I've had, you know, I've had depression and anxiety for years and I've managed them really well with mindfulness and good habits and medication at different times, talk therapy. I had all these coping strategies, but there was something about hitting that second birthday in the pandemic where I just felt like even if the the government's promises were to come true that herd immunity is around the corner and that someday these restrictions will be lifted, you can't see that as real because there's no evidence that that things are going to change, right? Like your brain, you can't really trick your brain into believing things that you don't have any reason to, to believe in. And I just felt like this crashing wave of hopelessness of 
like, why bother? Like, why bother with life? Why bother dreaming about a future where I have a birthday a year from now? Um, so I feel like I've been doing pretty well with managing depression throughout this pandemic, but there was something about that second birthday that just knocked me the fuck out. And I felt like I, I finally was able to tell other people about it. And when I did, I heard back this, you know, exact mirror. Everyone was telling me that they're so depressed that it's way worse now than when the pandemic began, that they're all hitting a wall too. I mean, people have been telling me that they've been having suicidal ideation and things like that. I, I was like, I cannot believe that that I thought I was alone in this. I can't believe that I thought that I was the only one. And also I can't believe that um, just the, the severity of um, boredom and hopelessness, because it's not even like um, individual bad things are happening every day. You know, we're, we're mostly just dealing with the, the long drawn out, tedium you know because because like individual crises of of suffering covid you know usually clear up after a couple weeks or some people obviously symptoms last longer and and personal crises go on but for the most part the the most crushing part about this crisis is just that there doesn't seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel right yeah i think and and you really touched on something i think that's super important which is that um you know, we talk about the concept of self-care, but one thing that you touched on that I think is also really important to this the story is community care. Mm. That you were able to reach out to other people and just to hear, oh my God, me too. Um, yeah. Really sort of validates what you're going through and also gives you kind of a, a sense of that same, because you're right, in the beginning, there was so much energy around mm-hmm. like, oh, we got this, we're all going through this together, there's, you know, and then it's, I was just thinking, I think that this time of year has been hard for a lot of people, because it's, it's the anniversary of when all of this started, and Mm -hmm. I remember in the beginning, uh, with my coworkers at the time being like, um, taking bets (laughs) as to when we thought this would be over, Um, (laughs) and none of us, we all lost, (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I I thought, I thought it would be two weeks. I really genuinely thought that Yeah, I was so naive. And then people were saying like, Oh, it won't be till the end of summer. And I was like, there's no way, you know, we're all, we're all doing the things that they're telling us we're supposed to do. We're all wearing masks. We're all washing our hands. There's no way this could drag on. The curve is going to be flattened. No big deal. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it never ends. (laughs) I think like, um, yeah, no, I, I I hope that nothing that I said sounded dismissive of the reality of, you know, the um, the starkness and um, the tragedy that is so many families experience, people who have ha- had COVID deaths and things like that. I don't mean I don't mean to dismiss that at all or make that um, seem less important. I guess I'm I'm speaking to a a phenomenon that I saw in a, in a New York times article the other day uh, described as languishing, which is where is this concept where you're not thriving and you're not depressed. You just don't really have any reason to do anything or to, or to believe in anything. And so, yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Yeah. I think it, 
that's I love that word because um A it's hard to say. Um and B, it does it does feel like it's not like I'm I, I feel like I'm I've moved past mourning. You know, I mm-hmm. I, I mourned the bikini kill concert I didn't get to go to. <laughs> um and I, I mourned seeing my family, you know. I, I feel like I you know, I didn't get to do like a big family Christmas like I used to. And there's like those pieces that I mourned. And I feel like I've done a lot of that already. And now I'm just kind of waiting. And it's, I move, I moved in the middle of this. Um, mm, me so, too. Yeah. Moving really added another layer of something because in Indiana, right before I, I had people and I could create a pod um, and here I really can't do that. I haven't, I don't know enough people and I'm just now starting to, I'm about to have my first, um, seeing people in real life, like event, um, nice. awesome. outdoor cocktail party. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Does it have a theme? Do you have like a, a themed cocktail in mind? Um, no, it's just for vaccinated people only. Okay. Well, that's a theme. Sure. But, yeah. <laughs> That's the name of it. His back okay. only. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, you should come up with like a specialty drink for that. Yeah. Maybe a hashtag. Um, that's not even funny to me, actually. I, I was thinking about like all the things that I just hold no joy for me anymore. And I was thinking about my relationship to social media. This is an aside. This is a, a very silly diversion. Um, but I just can't have fun on Instagram anymore. Like I don't feel joy anymore. I don't, I don't feel that little dopamine rush of like sharing my life because it feels like there's nothing in my life worth sharing. Mm-hmm. And even saying that is like such a, a betrayal of myself, right? Because like my life is awesome and everything about my life is, I always say like, everything's coming up Josie. Like I have <laughs> such a charmed existence and so many great things happened for me this year. And in the past, I would want to share those with friends and strangers and, you know, use hashtags and participate in life. But now it just seems like I can't do so without being judged by internet strangers in ways that make me feel deeply uncomfortable and <laughs> unsafe. And, um, and, and there's just no, it, it just doesn't feel like in, in the past, social media was a way to document what was happening to you in between the parts where people could see you and like, you know, maybe you went to a rave and some of your friends were there and they're all going to want to be able to look back at that or other friends are going to want to know what you did. And there's just nothing that you would want anyone. You don't want to, you don't want to rub it in anyone's face that you did something fun. If you do do something fun and there's just not that much fun to do. Like I go hiking all the time and I feel like, um, I don't even like sharing like nature photography anymore because it just doesn't have the same zing. You know, most people can't go out. It doesn't make them feel better to see me out having fun in nature. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking of that too. Also, just cause like, I'm also like a little social media burnt out because I've just been relying on social media for all of my social interaction. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And I'm exhausted by it. I like, I'm not getting, I'm not feeling connected in the same way because social media used to operate as kind of like a, you're right, kind of a buffer between when you would see people. It was a way to keep connected. It's not supposed right. to be like the only way you connect at all. Right. Ever. 
and I'm kind yeah. of exhausted by it. I don't, and you know, and it's funny, like I, I'm in like 8 trillion Facebook groups. I'm like the queen of Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I used to be in all the same Facebook groups with you. Hey. Now I can't even, I can't participate. Yeah, I just don't even want to be there. I don't, yeah. you know, and I, and I do, there's, there's something to be said for um, self-care when we're talking about this, because I think a really common um, misinterpretation of self-care is all about like, um, I don't know, posting that cute selfie mm-hmm. or turning down everybody's invitations to hang out or, you know, there's like mm-hmm. these ideas about what self-care means spending money, a lot of sheet masks. Yeah. Sheet masks. Yeah. Why, why is, why is it that we have to spend money on something that's supposed to be caring for yourself? If you're someone that doesn't have money, you do not get to do self-care. I don't know. But mm-hmm. right. Self-care is not accessible to you unless right. you self-care, spend on self-care it. Self-care is for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a commercial, but I think that's, you know, there's a huge misconception um, about what self-care really means. And when we're talking about like our relationship to social media, I think um, it's important to remember that sitting around and scrolling on Facebook and Instagram at people whose lives look nicer than yours, mm-hmm. is not the same thing as self-care. <laughs> yeah. It also, I, I've always like felt a little bit um, concerned about my addiction to social media because it, it, like I said, it used to give me a dopamine hit to like things or to have people like my things. And um, now scrolling, you know, doom scrolling is, I think, like a neologism that really, really came into its own in 2020. There's just really nothing like the onslaught of um, horrible news that that's out there. And it does nothing at the end of the day, but increase your paranoia, increase the like, you know, reactive proteins in your body the the fight or flight chemicals coursing through your bloodstream increasing your inflammation driving away the already difficult you know um and elusive sleep that you need to, to maintain your life like social media was never not toxic but in 2020 it became a threat to my well-being yeah, I think especially because we were so reliant on it because it was the mm-hmm. only real source of connection that we were getting. And so there was this, you know, it was like, well, what am I going to do if I'm not on it? I am mm-hmm. by myself all Yes, the time. yes. So isolated. And the thing about that is, though, when you are on social media and you're seeing other people's hot takes about the pandemic or about politics or other people who may be more or less cautious regarding their use of masks or how many people they're in contact with, all that does is trigger judgment and criticism in your brain of the difference between your life and theirs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, social media always had that effect of creating unfair comparisons between ourselves and others, but it just became so much more um, directed into judgment, I feel like. So I feel, I feel like, Social media has made me feel more isolated than connected in the last year. And it used to be like, I, I would say, oh, I should give up. I should give up Facebook and Instagram because I spend too much time doing that and I and too much time scrolling. You know, even in social situations, I'll reach for my phone and I'll check and see like what somebody put on their stories. And now I feel like, you know, when it, when it first began, I would think if I give this up, no one will know anything about my life no one will know what I'm up to or if anything's happened to me and now I think 
like, I don't know any of these people. I don't know. I don't know anything real that they're doing. They don't know anything real about me. We don't live in the same world. Half the people that I've followed and cherished, like people that I've met online and have had deep relationships with, I feel like we've grown apart because I see them posting things that make me feel um, judgmental and critical rather than connected. It's, it's surreal. I feel so much worse. Um, yeah, I feel so much worse when I use social media these days than, than I used to. Yeah, I think that's that's something I thought of too, because I think, you know, there's online comes with drama too. And mm -hmm. with, but sometimes in person just don't happen. Like one of the things I really mourned this year was Ohio Lesbian Festival mm -hmm. um, and also Intergenerational Lesbian Conference that uh, mm -hmm. Cowboy Ben puts on. If any of you are familiar, I'll give her a shout out. <laughs> in Iowa and I really missed those opportunities to like actually I miss talk lesbians. to and hang mm -hmm. out with other lesbians and especially yeah. now that I'm in a new city I'm like I'm trying to meet people you know I'm yeah to, and I and I found ways um I did so I've, I've joined a, a choir um, <gasps> I have that's and, like the most dangerous thing you can do in COVID times all the all the singing I mean really how did you join a choir tell well, us it's virtual right now uh, so the choir is normally in person um it is like the women's choir, but it's essentially like the gay women's choir in, in my That's city. That's awesome. And um, right now what they do is just like sing-alongs. So you can um, log on and keep yourself muted um, mm -hmm. and they'll pull up sheet music on the on the screen and then you can just sing along um, while the director plays on his keyboard in his apartment. And that feels good. I feel like that would be, that would feel so isolating if you know other people are singing and you can't hear them. So the singing is not why I go right now. Why I go is because for about a half hour afterwards, everyone just hangs out and talks. <gasps> oh, okay. And we get to like connect and chat and I meet other people, other lesbians. Um, they also did this really fun membershiping event recently where they somebody bought a script for a murder mystery. Ooh. And they did a murder mystery via Zoom and and everybody really came in character, like <gasps> them dressed in drag for this. It was that awesome. That sounds so fun. That actually sounds great. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it may, be, um, it may be a good opportunity to switch gears and talk a little bit more in depth about self-care because God knows I've complained about um, how desperately um, sad and pathetic my life has become. So, um so self-care is an, is a concept that was written about by lesbian feminist Audre Lorde. And what was the, what was the book that, um, that she wrote about that in? Um, so the book was in uh, A Burst of Light, um, which she wrote after um, uh, recovering from cancer, I think the second time. Um, and she really talked about self-care less as what uh, it's sort of come to be known as, which is more like self-help, self-improvement, um, spoiling yourself, uh, and more about self-care truly as a revolutionary and political act, which is mm -hmm. you um, are living in a world that is trying to push you down as a woman, for her as a Black woman, as a lesbian, whatever the case may be. Um, and by taking care of yourself and caring for your body and your mind, you are resisting 
the the world's demand that you silence yourself, that you neglect yourself, and that you spend your whole life in service to other people. So a burst of light is where is where she has that amazing quote that everyone will probably recognize. The quote is caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation and preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. Wow. She is not fucking around. Yeah, she never does. I like her. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's true. And that's why I get a little peeved at this idea that, that sheet masks are necessarily self-care. <laughs> self-care. Um, because cause that is a little bit self-indulgence, right? And like when mm-hmm. I spend too much money on mod cloth dresses, that is not mm-hmm. self-care. <laughs> um, I super want to convince myself that it is. Frankly, I want to convince myself that having too many cocktails on a Thursday night is self-care. Is self-care, right. And it's I not- think you just described like phases of pandemic acceptance and resistance, like drinking too much and pretending that that's actually self-care is definitely like one of the first uh-huh. phases. Uh, binge shopping came for me around like summer, fall time. I bought a mm-hmm. uh, home and immediately start spending and justifying spending gobs of money like I was like well eventually we'll get these stimulus checks still haven't gotten my stimulus check by the way Joe what the fuck <laughs> um and I, and I spent all my money on fucking like carpet and a new bathtub and, and shit like that so it's like I was you know I was thinking to myself well this is this is giving me a rush of dopamine so it must be hashtag self-care I felt good for five minutes. That must mean I, I, I felt better than I had when I thought about how I hadn't seen my mom in a year. So that must be better than, you know, no, it's not. That is not self-care. Yeah. And, and it's really, it's tempting. You're right. Cause you do get that dopamine rush and you're like, oh, this feels good and I feel miserable. So anything that mm-hmm. makes me feel good must be good um, mm-hmm. for me. But the truth is, what's good for you sometimes isn't what you think you want to do. Um, it is good for me to drink a glass of fricking water when, um, I am a, you know, chronic, uh, coffee drinker and I've had about a pot a day by myself in this apartment. Wow. Um, good work. You know, cause when you're in the office, man, you get to share the pot of coffee, but when you're by yourself and you've made a pot of coffee, you just keep drinking it. That's um, a good point. Yeah. And so it's, I don't know, it's little things like that. I also, I quit smoking this pandemic. Um, I'm so proud of you. Oh my God. Thank you. So did I actually. I had actually taken up smoking after many years of not smoking. I took up smoking in January because I had like a, an annoying breakup. And then I was like, you know what? I just love smoking. So I actually took up jeweling. And I was hitting the jewel and I was like, jeweling is awesome. I had to like take up smoking again in order to to wean myself off jewel. Um, it was a nightmare. Jewel is so addictive. You guys don't ever vape. Don't never not even once. Yeah. Someone go tell my like seventeen year old niece that. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll tell her. You know, um, Kate Winslet, lesbian thirst trap is in a new show on HBO and she vapes and I swear to God, I, I swear to God, I'm going to start vaping any day now. It is, it is really a challenge. <laughs> on HBO is this? It's called mayor of East town and it's amazing. It's so good because she has this like West Philly accent, like this really sweet, authentic Pennsylvanian accent. And 
she plays a detective. I am a sucker for a lady detective story. You'll never not get me with a lady detective with grit and a lot of heart. I think I maybe have seen commercials for this. But yeah, you know, that's another good one is at what line does watching a show on Netflix not come? Oh, become a self-care. Yes, yes, the binge watching. <laughs> and I think that line is right when Netflix asks you if you're still... When you're still there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is so true. And also, like, when, you know, it's, like, difficult to maintain a sleep schedule when you're feeling depressed and when you're not getting as much access to sunlight because there's no reason to go outside. You know, you can't get those regular circadian rhythms. And there was definitely a couple of periods, a few phases during the pandemic because these are all cycles. And they always seem to come back around, the, the different phases. Of just watching television until like three in the fucking morning. And yeah, I I kind of had a goal. I was like, I bet I could watch everything on Netflix. I bet if I really put my mind to it, I could watch every single thing on Netflix. Yeah, I have I have big binge watching issues. It's funny, I so in the middle of this pandemic I moved in with my girlfriend after uh I had roommates, but it it felt like I lived on my own. Um, And I, my sleep got like substantially better when I moved in with my girlfriend because she like, without fail, is in bed by 9.30 night. She may not sleep at 9.30, but she is like laying down in bed at 9.30 and like usually like scrolling her phone, winding down. Um, And I have like such FOMO that like half of what keeps me awake, mm-hmm. is, like that I, I want to like see what's going on, hang out with people. Wow. But since she and I live together, she's like who I would talk to anyway. So if she's going to bed, I might as well go to bed. And now suddenly I have a normal sleep habit. I don't know what that's about. So does that mean you're up out of bed at like 7 a.m. or something? If you're in bed by 9.30? I mean, yeah, I wake up at 6.30. Wow. I am so impressed. Look at your life. But then again, you do have like pot after pot of coffee. So yeah. Yeah. I, Mm. although, you know, speaking of like self-care, big self-care moment for me is I'm trying to find a doctor in St. Louis where I live now because I don't um, have one yet and Mm -hmm. I um, started having like stomach problems probably from the coffee and so oh my god probably it's not good for your tummy it's not and so you know and I think I just replaced smoking with drinking coffee but this this is tea by the way um <laughs> in your in your pussy mug in my pussy mug it's listeners so can't see but oh. madeline has a mug that has all sorts of vulvas on it vulvas yeah. in every shape and color it's beautiful it's i truly love it i, I think it's um from like the etsy of the vulva gallery but um yeah so i i feel like an actual self-care step for me was looking for a doctor another actual Mm. self-care step for me was like getting dental work I'd been putting off for forever Um, and so you know little little things like that that definitely don't feel awesome as I'm doing it Mm -hmm. but afterwards I know that ultimately what it's doing is preserving myself in a way that again is is less shallow because when we're talking about self-care is like a radical political self-preservation act Mm -hmm. 
we, you know, things that are going to give you a five minute dopamine boost are, are pretty shallow and mm -hmm. that's not self preservation You're going to burn through that. Yeah. You burn through mm -hmm. it. And then five yeah. minutes later, you're back to you're feeling back like on rei.com just being like, I don't know, should I spend like $200 on some ultralight backpacking gear <laughs> I love that yours is REI and mine's mod cloth <laughs> yeah I think that that says a lot about what type of lesbians we are yeah oh sister I have spent so much money this year on nonsense I I mean REI is the least of it but I um I think one of my self-care strategies that I've come up with in the last year is like I've been talking about distancing myself from social media and just generally trying to distance myself from my phone and from screen time in January, I, I um, I got sucked into a Kickstarter that I saw on Instagram. I ended up spending over two hundred dollars on an alarm clock. Oh no! Okay, the alarm clock plays music to wake you up. It's not Bluetooth compatible. It does not hook up to your phone. It does not do anything cool. It has one alarm, one alarm only. Like this fucking gimmick that that got me brought in. It's like basically like. It's the anti-phone alarm clock. Like, you got to get your phone out of your bedroom. Uh -huh. Spend almost $300 to do it. What? What? This is this is where we're at. Like, Instagram will advertise you shit that, oh, my God. It's just, this is why you have to get off Instagram. Yeah, I mean, Instagram is, is the worst about it because I, it, it knows me too well. Uh-huh. They know exactly. It knows your anxieties and your fears. It knows how to get you in in what you want out of your life and your love. It knows you. It's too much. I do. There's there's like other the other thing, and I'm always like hesitant to talk about um, like exercise because I don't want people to think that it's like a body thing or like a looks thing. No, we need to talk about exercise. We yeah. definitely need to talk about it. But yeah. I I like. So I had, I took a big break from exercise because I don't know, I don't know how much, we've talked a little bit about this. We both have dance backgrounds, right? Yes, yes. But yeah. the, the listeners don't know that. Yeah. So I, uh, I grew up doing um, competitive dance um, mm -hmm. and I was like uh, what we refer to as dance fat. So I wasn't like, <laughs> overweight by any real, like... Amidst the like literal eating disordered other girls in the company, yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm like I was like a pretty average, um, average size, and uh, so I, you know, I had a really wacky time trying to um get to a, a neutral place about the way that I looked, um, but I I have. So I've, I've started doing some exercise again and I go, um, my girlfriend and I take a tap class together. So sweet and romantic. Oh my God. I'm dying. I'm yeah. dead. She grew up dancing too, actually. What is it with all no these dancers? Look at all these I, dancers. Yeah. I found out another one too, cause she posted about it and another like, old Butch Dyke we know was, <gasps> I used to do Butch's dancing. Oh no, butches in ballet. No, no I not oh, yeah. wow. I'm actually dead. Yeah, so that she sounds... did. Rochelle was like my girlfriend was. Um, so we we picked up tap because tap is like a pretty. It's like not nearly as body focused as a lot of other styles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, we both had like injured crappy ankles. <laughs> this will be a good way to like build up some ankle strength. Um, it turns out ankles are so fragile and so important. 
You really yeah. need strong ankles to do everything. Yeah, and and they like genuinely like atrophy. Yeah, I know. Like if you I, as a hiker, them out. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, after the podcast, we're going to have to share some ankle exercises because I am so there with you with the uh, rehabilitation of my ankles. This you year. should get into a tap class, man. It's been so good. I'm so upset. I gave away my tap shoes on Buy Nothing like in 2019 because I was like, when am I going to use these? Um, actually, I'm getting into flat footing. Um, I have a flat footing platform now. And for our listeners who aren't familiar with Appalachian um folk traditions flat footing is like clogging it's like tap dancing in that it's a rhythmic dance and it comes out of like fiddle tune traditions and other old-time music traditions so since I play old-time banjo I thought flat footing would be the perfect addition (laughs) to my music that's like so perfect actually yeah it's yeah I think dance is like one of those you know and, and everybody has different things like some people I say you know dance and they're like what no never um so if dance isn't your thing that's not what you have to do but walking around a park or live in your body the message is is live inside your body yeah I think that we have um this is going to be a really controversial and unpopular opinion um for some because it uh what the pandemic has taught me is that your health is your own responsibility and you have a lot of agency in maintaining your own um, immune system and your own health and wellness. And one of the things that I think is the worst lie to come out of the pandemic from the media and the way that society at large has talked about the pandemic is just that COVID can hit you at any time. You know, it'll come and it'll knock you out out of nowhere and you'll be, you'll, you know, even though, you're young and fit and healthy, you'll be one of the people that dies in the hospital alone. And no one, no one will be able to say goodbye to you except over FaceTime. Like these are the, these are the stories, even though they're so rare. um, Those are the stories that you hear from the New York times and places like this. And so, you know, you get into this mindset of, well, what, what can you do? And so one of the things that I've been trying to discover for myself throughout the pandemic is just taking responsibility for the basics. You know, I think people have been talking for many years about like staying hydrated and it's kind of annoying, like how adults need to tell ourselves to literally fucking drink water and go to bed at night and sleep, you know, like get a regular sleep schedule and like, don't only eat garbage, but but the reason is because we've we've confused self-care with doing anything that feels good. Right. Yeah, and and it does feel good to drink a pot of coffee and mm-hmm. God, it feels good. Up until the heart palpitations kick in. That feels good. Otherwise, cigarettes feel so good. Cigarettes. <laughs> like we all got warned by the same dare officer that cigarettes are gonna kill us and yet here we all are and you know it's funny especially in in the gay community in the lesbian community there's really high prevalence of alcohol abuse and smoking um, huge numbers of smokers yeah it's just drug use in general yeah yeah and and part of it is like you know i mean we also have higher instances of trauma and so when you know we're talking about people who are finding coping skills that, um, you know, we, what we call maladaptive, then, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about things like smoking and drinking and using drugs. And, 
there's there are there are coping skills out there and you know and when I I I like want us as a community to get out of languishing and back to thriving yeah out we gotta stop languishing we have to start taking um yeah just taking responsibility for our emotional regulation yeah that's really what it comes down to yeah and I think the other thing is you know there there is an accessibility thing like you know therapy is good for you therapy can be hard mm-hmm. to find yeah you know the other thing though is that oftentimes um i i think it's worth noting that there are so many resources out there if you know where to look mm. um, like a lot of people don't know like your united way hotline that's local to you um can help link you up with people who are sliding scale or Ooh. you know or same thing with suicide hotlines suicide hotlines will sometimes um, help with, uh, you know, looking into resources that are local to you. If you are, um, feeling that down. The other thing is a lot of people don't know this. You don't have to be actively suicidal to call a suicide hotline. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So if you are, you know, there's lots of ways to be in crisis. Um, mm. and if you are having suicidal ideation, you know, you could call that, you could call that your own crisis this week, you know? So you can mm-hmm. reach out to um, lots of different resources that are available. I, part of what I do in my job um, is make referrals uh, for families that are trying to find resources. And I, you know, off the top of my head in St. Louis can name four therapists that work with people on a sliding scale that have availability. And so, you know, that means like that means sliding scale. I have a mom that goes in and pays $5 a week for her kid to get therapy. Mm. That's what she can do. So that's what the therapist takes. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, there, there is an accessibility issue. Like I'm not going to pretend that there's not, but also God, yoga with Adrian is. is I love yoga with Adrian. Oh my God. I love yoga with Adrian. I love her. She's so sweet. Everyone, everyone, if you, if you love yoga or if you hate yoga and yoga is um, scary, try yoga with Adrian because everybody's always like, oh, you should try yoga. You should try meditation. If you've ever had a bad thought or a bad feeling, you know, and you haven't tried meditation, then you're doing it all wrong. This is going to change and fix your life. But the reality is that is so not true for so many people. Yeah. But if there were ever like a welcome mat for you to just, you know, knock on the door of yoga and be like, could this be for me? It would be yoga with Adrian. Yeah. She's like a great introduction. I actually, so I used, I taught yoga for a while. Um, and the, uh, the sort of, the studio that I started teaching at um, had an instructor that I love, love, loved. And she like really brought me into yoga in a, like in a way that made me think like consciously about um, how my body was feeling for the first That's time. That's so cool. Dance really teaches you to ignore. I, I was just going to say, you know, I got really into yoga as a former dancer and I hurt myself really badly because when you grow up dancing from age three, you are too flexible and you often have like super strong legs or other, you know, big muscle groups. Mm-hmm. So you're like, yeah, I'll just per- pull myself into this fucking crow pose with zero warm up and no practice or like here I, here I am with my flaming bird pose or whatever, whatever <laughs> the random fucking bird, you know, whatever the random pose is. And you hurt yourself because you're not listening to the body's awareness of like pain as a 
as a, you know, stop, slow down. You're, you don't even feel pain. You're like, this is pain is how, you know, you're doing it right. <laughs> pain feels good. <laughs> yeah. I that's, Dance kids don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dance really teaches you to ignore all of your body's warning signs. And like, mm. you know, like, like I remember dance camp, like vomiting and like being like praised by my coach continuing to run after I vomited you know like I finished an entire like intensive week on a like sprained ankle like it was just the culture was like was such that there was no such thing as you know this is too much. I can't do this. This is too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yoga, when you're, when you're really doing it right, when you have a great instructor really teaches you to like slow down and listen. My mom does running. She like forever would run like half marathons all the time. That was like her helio. Cool. And, um, she did yoga and her first running based injury was after she stopped yoga. And like, I think oh. we kind of agreed that there was a correlation there. Ooh, yeah. So I want to return to, because meditation, uh, yoga is a type of meditation, and I want to return to this idea that everyone has been pushing for years now that meditation is a must and you need to be doing it every every day. And I've tried to push myself into doing all sorts of meditations over the last 10 years. And none of them stuck. And I always thought it's because my mind is not quietable. All the rest of y'all might be able to turn off your minds, but there's just too much going on in mine. And every time I try to quiet it, I just go to a dark place. <laughs> I think horrible thoughts. Uh huh. So this year I found an audiobook on Audible that was about meditation for people who like business. And it was one of their free audiobooks. So I just listened to it. And one of the first things that it had was a meditation that lasted two minutes. And I didn't know you could meditate for two minutes. But you can. And if you could meditate for two minutes, that's like no time. You know, if you go to the dark place in two minutes, you can come right back. If you're like going to an ashram and committing to being silent for three days, you know, you're going to be stuck with like acid trip level uh, invasive thoughts. But if you set a timer on your phone for two minutes and try to quiet your mind, you could probably get like 10 seconds of that would be like pure unadulterated quietude (laughs) yeah even and even if it is that 10 seconds the other thing that a lot of people I think don't realize is you don't have to be still Uh so yeah the way that I meditate is when I am folding my laundry because it's a way to kind of hone in I have my hands doing something which helps Mm -hmm. my brain not have to be thinking as much and then you know, I, and I think you're right. Like the idea of like invasive thoughts is really scary. One of the things I really like about the yoga studio we've been going to is it's, uh, it's trauma informed. Mm-hmm. In fact, the, the woman that teaches my class is another MSW student, uh, master social work. So cool. she, um, you know, is coming at this with an awareness that sometimes being in your own head is really scary and sometimes yeah. it's not a safe place to be. Um, and if it's not a safe place to be then don't go there you know you can you can find other ways to quiet your mind and to give yourself a break from thinking which is really what it's about um Mm -hmm. that are safe for you and so yeah you can move and do that at the same time and I would say don't give up on the idea that you could find a way into meditation Mm -hmm. because the like your idea about the laundry. I mean, yeah, I feel like if you could connect 
the folding of laundry to your breath, you could totally achieve a meditational state, whatever it is that is going to get you there. One thing that I've started doing is I, I've never been a person that could take naps before, but nowadays I, I um, I'm actually going to do ayahuasca in a, in a week. Um, it'll be the second time that I've done ayahuasca with this um, shaman, this friend of mine. And so, you know, you have to, you have to commit, right? You have to do a dieta and you have to really change your behavior in the lead up to the ceremonies because you want to invite medicine to work with you. So I've committed to meditation. And one of the things that I've been doing in order to help make it happen is to lay there like I'm about to take a nap instead. I've never been a person that could fall asleep during the day. And now I set a timer for 15 minutes, lay down like I'm about to take a nap and just like pretend I'm going to take a nap because when you're trying to fall asleep, you know, you're, you're doing the same thing that you're doing when you're trying to meditate, which is to try not to take any of the thoughts to their full extent. You're trying to like sit back and let the thoughts meander, but not control them or investigate them or have any kind of like curiosity about their endpoint. And instead like be sort of observational about them. And it's really worked for me to do that. I've also done another thing where I, where I, when I breathe in, I'll think of something like receiving health and well-being. And when I exhale, I'll be like letting go that which does not serve me or, you know, whatever, whatever people pick your words that associate with good things for you, but have a word for breathing in and breathing out. And then it will be easier to stay focused on breathing instead of like letting the thoughts go um, all over the place. Yeah, another one, and this is something that my own therapist gave me, so I'll share this this bit, is um, the spiral. So um, picture a spiral in your mind, now reverse it. All right, I'm picturing a spiral. What do you mean, you, how do you reverse it? So picture it going one way. and then Oh, okay, so it's moving. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like and that. It has like an immediate calming effect and it's it's also used as like a thought stopping technique if you are somebody yeah. that has intrusive thoughts. Um, Ooh, I and, can't believe no therapist has ever given me this this idea yeah, because this I, instantly my therapist is so kick ass. Cindy, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Cindy. <laughs> We're big fans. That's awesome. So, you know, meditation, tap class, yoga, what are some of the other things that you've been doing during the pandemic to, to um, self-care without self-help or? <laughs> yeah, self, self-care self without, um, you know, trying to. Commodifying yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I think a, a huge piece for me has been relationships and being really intentional about how I maintain the relationships that are in my life, because I know that I can't just go see people the way that I used to, or go to a bar or, you know, have a picnic the way that I did before. And so I've had to be really thoughtful about how I keep people in my life. And it's, you know, whereas before, I don't know when I would chat with somebody, um, you know, we, it wouldn't be very intentional or thoughtful because it, again, social media was, was the buffer between mm-hmm. our conversations. And so I, you know, I try to like, so for instance, um, I uh, just attended a 
party. It was a drunk herstory party. So the drinking bit, but um, we put together PowerPoint presentations about a woman in history that we wanted to present about. And then we came together, had a little cocktail hour and presented about our, you know, women through history. And it, it was, it wasn't as mindless as like just hopping into a chat where I'm like dropping pictures of my cat for the 40th time in the day. Um, (laughs) It was really thoughtful because I like, I took time to prepare something. So I actually wanted to be there. Um, And because that's the other thing is I get so zoomed out. I'm on zoom all day long. Oh my God. I'm zoomed out. I'm so sick of it. And so fucking kill me. So if I have to like, if somebody, cause I, I tried that. So I tried a book club at one point with friends, mm-hmm. to like, you know, maintain relationships completely. Yeah. flopped. And the reason it flopped is because we met every single week. There was, okay. that, you know, and it was too much and nobody looked forward to it. Um, yeah. But yeah. when we did the, the drunk history party, I like was stoked about it. I like yeah. for it for a week. I was thinking about it. I was so wow. excited. And, you know, and then I got to, I got to learn something, you know, from other This was so fun. It was so fun. I did mine on um, Mildred Muhammad, who um, is the ex-wife of the DC sniper. Wow. Yeah. She was a badass actually. So. Oh, really? Yeah. The, uh, the, um, actually th- this is like vaguely relevant. She um, was a woman who gave way too much of herself all the time because that's what she was socialized mm-hmm. to do um Classic. yeah to the point where she was in a really horrifically abusive relationship what a lot of people don't know is that the dc sniper um oh and you're in dc so it's me yeah um the dc sniper was not like a classic serial killer in the way that we okay. think of serial killers he was only killing other people because he planned on killing his wife and he didn't want to be implicated <gasps> what? it was just a domestic what? thing yeah oh my god and she that wrote us and she's incredible and she does really cool like domestic violence advocacy work and helps other women and that's the that's that's another self-care thing what are you doing to help somebody other than yourself because uh-huh. it's so easy to get so tripped up about how your life is going and what's going on for you and because that's like, you know, when, when you don't see other people, you know, you're only seeing your own, you know, issues. And it's not like doom scrolling on Facebook makes me feel like I'm making a difference in the world. No, um, no it makes you feel like there's no dis- difference that you could possibly make. Right. And even little things like, you know, I, um, I, so I work for a, a disability service provider and people sent so many valentines in the mail for our clients and it was just such a thoughtful tiny thing it probably took them 20 minutes but like they got to brighten someone's day and they were stoked to receive them so I think anything that you're doing could make a really big difference even little tiny things right now um and, and, and it doesn't have to be donating to somebody's Kickstarter. No. <laughs> you know, it could be a card. It could be, you know, and, and and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Like my downstairs neighbor has two little um, long-haired dachshunds that are so cute. And she is so nice. And I happen to follow her on Instagram um, <laughs> where she had been like, 
pretty transparent about having gone through a miscarriage. Mm. Um, and so just as like a tiny, tiny thing, I sent her like a $5 Starbucks gift card. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, you know, it's, I, I always, it's literally her. just a, the tiniest thing. And yet you, you were thinking about her it and now she knows you're Yeah. And I started to build a relationship with her and I like chatting with her when she's, you know, I'm out on my deck and she's in our shared backyard with her dogs and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I've developed something there. And I think whatever you can do to get out of your own head and out of your own life a little bit and into somebody else's, even if, again, even if it's that five minute, you know, $5 gift card or a card that you've made for somebody or, calling you know a grandparent who's in a nursing home and is feeling really isolated it can really boost your own mood and that that is self-care it, it you have to be careful about it because you don't want self-care to ever be tied in with like service to others necessarily mm. really the point of self-care is to recover from that so that you can do the work um but if you're in a place where you don't feel like you can do the work then it's important to do something so that you feel like you're participating because, you know, especially with like, gosh, with like police killings that went on over the summer and there was just so much happening. And then there, you know, then there were going to be these COVID deaths and it was just so hopeless feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I personally like didn't find much satisfaction in like arguing with people on the internet, especially, like god it's such a cesspool but like my home yeah really though like news news facebook account is like just like a cesspool of like evil and scary and stupid and (laughs) i like i that that didn't feel like doing anything and it's not like Mm -hmm. i felt i didn't feel safe going to marches because of covid and i was like well that doesn't feel responsible to me either it's like how can i make a difference what can i do that matters and I think that we all, to some extent, started to feel that way, especially because some of the things that maybe we were already doing for other people, we couldn't continue to do. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the hardest parts for me, I think, was that, you know, I, so I ended one job in the middle of this and came here and the, I worked with like teenagers and young adults who had disabilities that were uh, like high school and college students. And, um, so many of them were having like such a bad time. And this was, mm-hmm. you know, they they were students that like already really struggled. Some of them were like barely graduating as it was. And one of the things that I did that like was one of the first times that like I felt like a sense of hope <laughs> in the middle of all this like drama and mess was I had a client who um, her power had gone out in her house. She lived in the middle of nowhere her dad worked um, like 17 hour days and uh, cause he like was a tree trimmer and there'd been some, uh, you know, what are they called? Storms. Yeah. So he was right. gone for like all the time. And so she finally, I got a hold of her and realized that her freaking power had gone out. She'd been freezing in her house by herself. <sighs> um, she'd been there like literally in her own thoughts. And this is somebody with a history of trauma. Her mom had just died. And she was alone in her thoughts for like 48 hours with mm. nothing. She couldn't distract herself with TV. She couldn't distract herself with her laptop. It had died. She had mm. 
nothing. And um, I was just like so horrified by that when I found yeah. out. Um, and I told my mom about it because she was like not in a good place. She was really upset. And I told my mom about it. And my mom Venmoed me a bunch of money to make her a care package that I just dropped off on her front porch. Mm. And like, it, it can't just like such a, a little thing, you know, I, and just, I don't know. I, that's- well, I think that really touches on the political warfare aspect of the idea of self-care because the, the idea of self-care as it is more than self preservation it's self-restoration because you cannot give to others if you're not supporting yourself and one of the things that you're describing is okay so in the midst of all the languishing that we're all doing we're depleting ourselves without being restored by others we then you know especially those of us who are who are extroverted or who get that bump of energy from um, from from serving others or from giving to others, you know, you have to think outside of the box in order to reach people. And like in your situation, you are trying to figure out how to interact with this person behind walls. Essentially, like you have you have a care package. This is a pretty novel, probably something you wouldn't have done. I mean, in 2019, probably you would have just gone to her. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that it's going to require new tactics and creative thinking in order to support one another um, be in, in ways that, that people will allow us to support them because even, you know, because some people are going to have different levels of COVID cautiousness or mm-hmm. whatever the next pandemic is, whatever the next communicable disease is. And I think we're all going to have um, yeah different levels of, receptivity to being cared for by one another yeah and I think it it's you know we sort of we've touched on a lot of things we've touched on like we've been all over the place and um and also you know caring for other people but and also that community care piece that like Mm -hmm. that's you know that's really not there right now Mm -hmm. um and so on some level, you're right. When we talk about like a a sense of like personal responsibility for, you know, how you're doing, like if you're not able to access some of the things that really, you know, brought you joy or a sense of stability, Mm -hmm. like before that maybe you were getting from the community, what are some ways that you can get it from yourself? But also what are ways that we as a community as, you know, as women, as lesbians, whatever, that we can reach out to each other. And, and this is something that I think comes up a lot is, you know, it was funny before COVID, we would joke, I think, maybe joke, maybe be serious a little bit when we talked about like lesbian loneliness. Yeah, well, we did a whole podcast, actually. Gabby and I did. Talk about it now. God, Mm -hmm. I was so like before COVID, I would feel a really deep sense of loneliness because mm-hmm. I couldn't connect with other lesbians in the ways that I wanted to, or I couldn't find the community that I was looking for. And now we're looking at a world where none of us have been able to see each other. You know, I, I would look forward to like lesbian festivals and conferences so all much. year mm-hmm. and they all got taken away this year. 
um, you know, for good reasons. And, and like the last thing I want is for like, you know, older lesbians in our community to, to get exposed to the virus at, you know, a higher lesbian festival. And we have a massive spreader event where a bunch of lesbians get sick, but I do, I do feel like. And again, festivals are outside. So of all the places, the safest place that you could be is in the hot summer day in Ohio, in the blistering humidity. Outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. And I really I know I think I, I I agree and I don't want to I would not want to put any older elder lesbians lives at risks and but I do also feel like there's probably a lot of elder lesbians who would like to put their lives at risk in order to not be lonely. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the hardest things um is this this um tension that the um, the sort of social classes that we've set up where people over 65 are fragile and could die at any minute of COVID. And those of us are young are putting them in literal danger of their lives. And so at what point does that threaten the relationship between younger and elder lesbians or younger and, and elder people in your family? Mm-hmm. At what point do you have a sense of fear for younger people endangering you or resentment at older people for requiring you to be in lockdown conditions. And I think that it creates a strain that I worry will be hard to overcome when, um, when pandemic restrictions finally lift, because we've all been living with that psychological um, threat for so long that I think it may, I think it may change the way we interact with one another. Yeah, and I feel like it was already kind of a tenuous relationship. Absolutely. There's like, so much tension between younger and elder of the generations, whether it's lesbians or family or anything. Yeah, and 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 I've it's funny, I'm I'm in this like really random normie like lesbian Facebook group, um, where it's it's like so chaotic. There's like all this stuff <laughs> going on in there. It's like way too many people. But I I like I've and in many ways I was really lucky in this sense, but I really grew up around, um, around older lesbians and I had, mm-hmm. mentors you are lucky. I, yeah, just, I feel just so you know, <laughs> incredibly blessed by that. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, and I, like, I always say I've got, I've got lesbians everywhere I could go visit. Um, mm-hmm. really, you know, thanks mom. Cause my mom was the one that really made sure that, that was in my life. But I think that, um, you know, when we're talking about those intergenerational relationships and like how we're going to maintain them, because, you know, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about like, there was, uh, <laughs> they're, they're real secretive about it. So I don't name the festival, but there's a festival in the Midwest um, that is uh, a really, it's a tiny, tiny one. It's in uh, the Ozarks that I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it was beautiful and it was, uh, my first experience doing anything like that. Um, and I really missed those women. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that festival was like hanging on by a thread financially. Mm-hmm. And I'm so scared that some of these things aren't going to survive a year, two years off, um, that they're not going to be able to come back after after this hit Um, Mm -hmm. they and and a lot of them 
didn't even have Facebook. So I, I created a Facebook group for the for the festival, but it was amazing. Like, yeah, a lot of them didn't even have it, which was great. But also, how are we going to make sure that they know, okay, so we need to come back together and, you know, we need this much money. How can we crowdsource this? Like, where are we going to get it? Um, a lot of organizing happens there. And I, mm-hmm. I work, I don't know, that's been on my mind a little bit is how are we going to recover our, you know, our in-person communities? Cause yeah. communities matter. Um, and are we going to lose? We can't them? do zoom forever. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I want to like hug a person. <laughs> I can't wait to hug somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a hug today from um, a friend who I haven't seen. She's a nurse. And so she's especially COVID exposed and she's especially COVID cautious. And I just couldn't believe what it felt like to put my arms around her. I could, oh, wow. It was just amazing. Yeah. I'm a hugger. I I used to like, when I I grew up in Indiana and we weren't like real huggy people in the Midwest, Uh, we were a little bit guarded with our emotions. And then I moved to the West Coast where everyone like randomly hugs each other, like coworkers hug each other, hello and goodbye. It's like, bitch, I barely know you. How about a hug? (laughs) And I guess that turned me into a hugging person. But I'm telling you what, I could hug somebody right now. (laughs) I could really go for a hug. I could go go for a hug about now. (laughs) Yeah. God, you know, and I, I'm, I'm also really lucky that I live with my girlfriend because I, I really, I, I feel for people because the first half of, not the first half, the first several months of the pandemic, I was, um, on my own, and that was a very different experience than mm-hmm. being able to go through it with her, and so, I super feel for people, who, um, who don't have that and who are alone, and that's, you know, I, I think that when gosh, this like, I, I forever, I'm always the person that like encourages people to be single unless it's like super right, because mm-hmm. that bad relationships are worse than no relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my mom used to say it takes an awfully good man to be better than none, but I think it just takes wow. a good person <laughs> yeah. to be better than, you know, than, than having that freedom to do what you want when you want. Mm-hmm. But wow, that's a great mom phrase. Kind of bite me in the ass this year because it's like that's that's not fully true right now. I think a lot of people are just so lonely. Um, you know, I my aunt who lives up in Buffalo lives on her own and um, had a job that went virtual, and she was alone all the time. Like yeah. not just like on your own, like stuck with your roommates or mm-hmm. stuck with your pod she had no pod because <laughs> yeah. New York got hit hard so mm, she that's had, true they went into a severe lockdown too yeah yeah they, with those regulations. they got hit really early bad and so she was like there was just nothing for her and and I think about those people and I think you know I <laughs> you know send me an email <laughs> if you want like because I just I can't imagine that level of loneliness for this like extended period of time um and I'm sure a lot of people have found like what you know works for them and ways to connect and have community but I don't know I think I'm still trying to figure out how to have community in the middle of this I was just Mm -hmm. definitely I go into my office like once a week and I'm usually the only person there um but I ran into somebody that I'd met on zoom but not in person yet um 
and she and I had a conversation about how we don't know how to talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's been I, so long since you've had normal, like what is the protocol for talking to one another? How do we yeah, do that? It's different. Even like the pace of the way that we talk is different than like on zoom. Cause mm-hmm. like cut out. So you like, you know, have, yes. like, turns in different ways. Whereas like, I don't know when I'm in person, I'm talking over people all the time. We Can't don't do that on zoom. zoom. No. Very annoying. Yeah. That's so true. That's such a good point. Yeah, I was noticing, uh, I started to hang out with some friends outdoors and um, I was noticing how difficult it was to regulate my emotions around other people's behavior because in the past, and it, it, what the point of, okay, sorry, I'm like getting ahead of myself because I'm so, I'm so compelled and interested in this topic. I am a person who likes hanging out with other people. I have very different friends. I have friends with whom I share very little in common politically or spiritually or philosophically sometimes. Uh, Obviously, I have different people for different things and we match perfectly. And then in other ways, we don't match at all. And so I, I like holding difference. I think it's stimulating and exciting and I and it really, you know, turns me on as a person, not like sexually, but just like gets me fired up and ready to go for life, you know? And I was as saying it was some people outside um around a fire and I was realizing that when they did things that I couldn't relate to or they said things that didn't reflect my own life experience, suddenly I couldn't hold difference in a way that felt comfortable. Hmm. My reaction was I wanted to leave. I wanted to go home. I wanted to be alone. And how how could that thought even pop into my head after months of th- of saying to myself, "I'm so lonely. I don't see the point in living. I don't know why." I I, I stood in the shower under the falling water and and just like stared at the tile and been like, "I don't want to kill myself. I just want to die. I don't. I, I just want life to be over because there's no point." <laughs> I don't even have the energy to kill myself. I'm just so lonely that there's no point in being alive. And then to have this moment where I'm finally getting my wish of being with people, people I love, people I cherish, but who I've only interacted with via text message and Zoom and and stuff like that for months. And so now that we're all of a sudden, all of our big personalities are in one place and we're all having to make space for one another and hold that space with one another. All of a sudden, it feels like it's too many energies, and I can't see which way is going, who's going where, and what direction. I can't see the outcome of the conversation before it's begun. I want to leave. I want to go home. I want to be with my cat. Mm-hmm. I want to put on a sheet mask and, sheet mask. and binge watch something on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. God, that's such a good point because I, I, I feel that. I, I don't know that I remember what community looks like in person and I and I do I feel for for an extrovert and I'm a complete extrovert I like hate being by myself (laughs) I have still like struggled to know how to engage when I'm in person Mm -hmm. yeah like how I fit in or you know and people are so different online yep that when you when you do meet in person like you can't get a read like like you were talking about big personalities you can't get a read on how big someone's personality is always until you're in person mm-hmm. and so I don't know it, it can be really difficult to to navigate right now because I've kind of forgotten I've kind of forgotten what it's supposed to go like when you hang yeah. out with people yeah 
it's just going to get weird when it when it all starts to um happen again i mean i'm i'm looking forward to that discomfort i'm looking forward to confronting that discomfort with all of my new like awareness skills that i've gotten from growing into a meditation practice and like mm-hmm. learning how to be with my feelings in the moment and um but i can just tell and i and i feel like i keep reading articles about this and i keep feeling um i mean there are people who are literally out here tweeting that they're going to be wearing masks until 2025 because no, nothing that the CDC says could make them feel safe in this world anymore. And like, this is the world we're about to reenter. And there is, you know, going to be a, a very high degree of paranoia and fear that you're going to encounter from everyday normal people that you would never have expected it to come from before. Yeah. 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 I think also like, um, that, that is something that's sort of been interesting is, uh, in, in the sort of danger of living in online spaces is that Mm -hmm. people have revealed things about themselves that I didn't know and that I has made me no longer really want to be friends that like, I'm like, is this a good thing or is it not? And I, I don't, I don't know that I have the answer. Yeah, and that's what I, that's what I meant by what I was saying earlier about feeling judgmental. I don't like feeling judgmental in that way. I don't want to write people off, and I don't want to cut people out. And one of the things that, to return to the self care discussion, I think is really interesting is, um, Madeline and I were reading an article together about this topic, and one of the one of the things that someone had called self care was to consciously unfollow people who trigger you or upset you or who just don't add to your feeling of Zen in life. And I think that, um, you know, I don't want to throw anyone away or give up on anyone, but I also really, I don't know where to draw the line because yeah, I don't want anyone who is, I don't want anybody who's vibrating lower than me to, to try to bring my vibration down, to put it in super woo-woo West coast language. I, (laughs) pull my crystals out and just tell you that if you're vibrating low, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with that because I got to stay high. Yeah. That's such a valid point though. Cause like there is, there does come a point where like you're not benefiting yep. from it and they aren't benefiting either. Um, I actually, this was like kind of a weird interaction that I had where somebody like got mad at me for not like participating in like a comment dog pile wow <laughs> yeah and and I think they that is so 2016 dude are you I kidding thought, me don't throw me into your dog pile I don't want to be a part of your like, and the person was in the wrong but it was also like they they like had heard from 8,000 people that they were in the wrong and that wasn't going to change their mind anyway oh, okay um and and I just think like that's such a to me and and I understand that, you know, especially when people are feeling hopeless, I think that mm-hmm. people tend to, like, lean into, like, Twitter activism and internet. internet. Ooh, yes, that is so true. Because you're like, what else am I supposed to do? But, yeah. but, like, ultimately, I, like, I try to, you know, again, when we're talking about self-care, self-care means preserving yourself and your body and your mind so that you can do the work. And 
the work isn't getting done on Facebook. Maybe some conversation around the work, maybe making some connections, but like the work itself is not being done on Facebook. And if you are feeling drained by that experience, you know, mm-hmm. then you are not preserving yourself to do the real work in the real world. Absolutely. And so true. That's been like a huge beef of mine is like, if you're not feeling empowered to like go out and make the world a better place by this experience, then like, don't do it. <laughs> you know, don't do it. You're I don't want to hear about it. Care of yourself. You are not preserving yourself. And to go back to the political aspect of that, if you're not uh, if you're not working on your own self-care, then you are compromising the herd immunity, not 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 just of um, in material concrete terms of, of like immunity in the sense of um, resiliency against communicable disease, but a, a resiliency against the, the social plague of depression and anxiety, which are communicable. I mean, mm-hmm. if you if you are surrounded by depression and anxiety you're gonna um you're gonna experience that in yourself much more you're much more likely to experience that in yourself not, not I, I shouldn't I don't mean to say that you're guaranteed to be depressed if you're around depressed people but you know you can pick up on other people's um yeah mentality and you can and it can it can create your reality and you can get stuck in thinking that that's um that that's set so Part of immunity, part of health is uh, resilience, not only to the diseases that are caused by germs, but also the mental um, diseases uh, and social diseases, social contagion of bad vibes. I don't know if that makes me sound like a total woo-woo idiot. I realize well, I like... I mean, because I mean, there are clinical terms for that, you know? It's... Yeah, there must be. I'm not using them because I don't know what they are. <laughs> But I, I mean, if you think about it, like, I mean, I, I think, you know, God, I'm such a Brene Brown fan, but um, <laughs> Brene Brown talks a lot about how um, shame is contagious. Yes. I think hopelessness is hugely contagious. And fear is obviously very contagious. Yeah. And if you are around people living in that, um, there comes a point where you, you have to preserve yourself and you have mm-hmm. to say you know what I really care about you and I hope that you're well I need some space and mm-hmm. you know and it's funny like one of the things the article also pointed out that I you know thought was a really good point is a lot of people are you know there, there's a line to walk you can't just say I'm gonna unfollow everyone I disagree with or I'm right. gonna right. or I'm gonna you know turn down an invitation every time someone asks me out and call that self-care because right participating in your community is also self-care um but so there's a line to walk but there is something to be said for drawing boundaries around yourself and yes. yes boundary work is definitely hashtag self-care yeah. Yeah. I'm in a, um, I, <laughs> some of you know why, but my brother and I are, are no contact. Um, <laughs> we, we do not speak. Um, and that was, a, that was a hard one for me. And actually it came up this year at Christmas. Um, he was, I mean, it, I didn't, I wasn't going to go see that part of the family for Christmas anyway, cause it was, um, cause of COVID, but, mm-hmm. um, they did in fact fly him in from where he lives in Indiana um, 
And he essentially said that he would not come if I was going to be there. Wow. Yeah, which I was like, bold of you, pal. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Bold of you. Um, But uh, when I when I had the the opportunity to, um, or when when I was, my mom came to me with this, and she didn't tell me that off the bat. Um, She basically was just like edging into it, like, Ian might be at Christmas. And, you know, and I surprised myself by being able to say, I'm okay with that. If we're both, ooh, same, ooh. I'm going to be okay with that. We can avoid each other, you know, mm-hmm. enough place. Um, I'm not going to be there long. This is when I still thought I would go. I'm not going to be there long. Um, it's okay. I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to, um, you know, I don't want him to feel excluded. I don't want myself to be excluded. It's fine. Um, and I, I surprised myself with that because I had worked really hard on no contact, but yeah, but that no contact ended up serving me um, in the end to be able to get to that point. Um, That's awesome. If no contact is effective and if you can also negotiate a boundary other than no contact that allows you to have different access to other people or different freedom. I don't mean to like no contact is definitely a legit strategy to avoiding abusive people or toxicity in your life. And it's definitely a, a really good way to go for a lot of situations. But I think our generation in particular can jump to it really quickly mm-hmm. and can even valorize it and kind of gin up each other and saying like, yeah, if this person is uh, c- um, causing you, you know, any kind of conflict or distress, just cut them out completely, throw them away. God, I was just talking about this because this is speaking of like how social media is not a replacement for self care. Um, I I saw like a, a meme joking about this, but like the, the point behind it was serious, which is that like, if you are in a Facebook group, I see this all the time. There, I'm thinking of one in particular person. I won't name her. Um, okay. Comes into like many Facebook groups that I'm in, um, and will say things. Will will like describe a workplace scenario, for instance, mm-hmm. um, looking for like support, and everybody's response is always like oh my gosh, that's so toxic. You should quit your job immediately. Yeah, you should quit your job. Oh my yeah. God. Like, what? This person is clearly insane. And the story that she told is like kind of an unpleasant part of work, but like usually like something fairly normal for the field. Like the person I'm thinking of, it was like um, this person worked in a residential setting, like a nursing home setting. And okay. um, they got like asked to cover a shift. Like that that's okay. part of residential. Um, yeah. So you can get someone who's worked in residential for people with disabilities. That that's, that's kind of part of it because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like it, the job is underpaid and these people have to have people there 24 seven. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of turnover and it sucks, you know? And, but like, but like, oh my God, just, I, I, I'll never forget the specific story. And all of the comments were like talking about how unreasonable her boss was. And I'm like, the, what, you know? And, but the thing is, there were people saying that in the comments who I, I think are like reasonable, normal mm-hmm. adults who maintain work themselves. So they, right. how do they do that? <laughs> the thing is, if I, you just I, drop your you, job when there's conflict. Well, the thing is, I don't think they do. 
Right, it's right. Not, they wanted to like be supportive of this person. Uh-huh. And so, and so it's really easy. You can go to the internet for positivity about anything you want. Like you can go to the internet and be like, oh my God, I've had such a bad day. My boyfriend, blah, 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 blah. Um, and everybody in your comment section is going to come to you and be like, oh my God, he's such a dick. And you know, maybe he is. Stop him. Yeah, dump him. Yeah, dump him, you know? And (laughs) (laughs) then, like, all these people have zero context about the situation. Right, totally. Perspective. And And meanwhile, you're like, yeah, I guess I'll just make my support network smaller because I had conflict today. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, or, like, will quit my job with no notice. I can't. That's really bad. Over how many people I have seen lately that are, like, quitting your job with no notice is self-care. Oh my God. I'm scared. I'm scared for a generation. Yeah. And I'm like, no, my dude, because that's going to present, prevent you from getting a job down the road because now, however long you've worked there, you can't put that on your resume because leaving without notice means you're not eligible for rehire, which is the only thing they would be able to tell a new employer about you anyway. So if you're leaving, you know, and so I I used to be a job coach, but I, so if you're going to be doing self-care, self-care, means yeah leave that shitty job start looking for a new job make a plan first night yeah okay. every night start applying for a new job every night find some get some references lined up yeah put and then put in that just walk out. notice you know so certainly there are some instances for our listeners who are like how could you say that I definitely le- left my job with yeah. zero notice and I'm like yeah okay probably you know I'm sure there's definitely some instances where that makes sense but the it, it is something that really comes out of the internet culture to mm-hmm. encourage people to, to cut out of their lives, family members, or to just walk away from commitments or, yeah. Um, yeah, and there's a difference yeah. between being in, like, a toxic environment and being in an abusive environment. Such a good point. Mm-hmm. And another lesbian idea, the uh, Sarah, uh, what's her name? Conflict is not abuse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My okay. friend got me that for Christmas one year. Um, but yeah, I agree because if you are in an abusive situation, obviously get yourself out. You know, if if the situation has become abusive, you need you need to leave. Um, and even if that means no two weeks notice. But if the situation yeah. is conflict or is toxic, you can you can do toxic for two weeks. You know, <laughs> and then and then at least you're eligible for rehire. So that way the next job, you know, that calls them, you're not going to get dinged. But that I don't know. It's but it's like, I don't know how you can say that just because something isn't going well, that immediately giving up on it or leaving or blocking or whatever the mm-hmm. case is, is self-care, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the ability to, you know, provide for yourself and have some sense of stability is also self-care. That's definitely hashtag self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Being self-supporting is definitely self-care. Yeah. I was thinking of this because I have a friend who um, uh, recently left a fairly abusive relationship and Mm -hmm. her, that the partner kept wanting her to leave her job and she refused. Um, and the reason she was able to escape was because she kept that job. job. 
Mm-hmm. It's, you know, self-care. Mm-hmm. So, Madeline, what is there anything else that we want to add to this conversation? Shall, shall we wrap up? Yeah, I think is we're... we're missing? Um, I guess I just want to say that I'm rooting for all of our listeners in your, in your self-care endeavors. I think that the most important thing in... Um, is to have awareness about um, your your body and your feelings. Um, you know, care about your emotions, care about the way your body feels, and um, I don't know. Think 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 not of super, superficial ways to ameliorate those feelings or to mitigate bad feelings, but to cultivate in the long term that those feelings that make you excited to be alive and make you grateful to be alive. Mm -hmm. I hope that everybody's got a plan for how they are attending to those things. Yeah. Move, move past that dopamine rush so that you can, Mm -hmm. you can get back to the work, do the work when we can again. Be careful not to binge shop um, for fancy alarm clocks or (laughs) backpacking gear or banjo accessories, whatever bullshit strikes you that minute. (laughs) (laughs) cool all right well um i'll I'll see you on the dance floor sis see you on the dance floor